to talk about it. I know it's going to be uh, very close to a lot of people that we're going to say some stuff that may rub some of you the wrong way, but, uh, but my hope is that you would continue on the journey and that you would allow God to do what He does, um, that you would open up to Him and, and truly, as we'll see through the series, that He is for our good, that He wants us to enjoy Him, to enjoy the life that He gives to us. And so, as we navigate through this series, I, I really want you to, to open up to it, um, to open up to God uh, and to trust Him, uh, to see what He would reveal to you and what He would do through you. This is going to be very different to a normal preaching series. Uh, we normally go through the books of the Bible like we did with Jonah. We'll start at verse 1 and we'll go right through the book. Whereas this series, we're going to be jumping around different texts. We're going to go Old Testament, New Testament. Uh, so it's going to feel very different. It's going to come across more like a, a teaching series than a preaching series. Uh, there's going to be lots of applications. And again, the desire is that it, you, would, uh, you would trust God with your resources uh, in a way that you've never done before. So we're going to talk about money, but I, I really want us, when we, when we think treasure principles, I want you to think of your time and your talents as well. That it's not just about money, but it's your time and your talents as well. Treasure principles. I got this from a, a book by uh, Randy Alcorn. Um, Randy, it's a phenomenal book. Phenomenal book. And so everything that we're going to be covering, we're going to look at six keys, right? Six keys. And everything that we cover is right here in this book. I've looked around. It's, it's kind of hard to get a physical copy of at the moment. Um, but if you guys are, have electronic books and, and the iPads and so forth, uh, you, I know you can download it. It is a phenomenal book. Very, very short, but very, very powerful. And so everything that we cover, you'll find in this book. Like I said, we're going to look at six keys and I believe if we apply these keys in our lives, uh, they will be a game changer. They, re- they really, really will be a game changer, a financial game changer if we apply, if we apply these six keys. Before I pray, I just want to chat a little bit about why, why we would do this. Why talk about money? Why would a church talk about money? Three, three reasons. Three reasons why I believe this series is going to be incredibly valuable to us. The one is our faith and finances or treasures are not inseparable. Our faith and our finances, you can't separate the two. And and we like to do this. We really do. We like to do this. We'll go, God, you can have my relationships, but you can't have my money. God, you can have my life, but when it comes to how I handle X, Y, and Z, then I need you to keep it a distance. We try to separate these things, but, but the reality is that if God truly has transformed your life, He comes and He takes everything. He wants everything. You cannot separate the two. The second reason I believe that this is valuable is because of, for many of us, we've never really been taught about money. We've never had someone sit us down and and walk us through how do you write a budget? How do you save? How do you invest? What should you spend on? No one's actually ever done that with us. At least with me, that's never been done. And so we just don't know how to handle money. We don't know how to handle money. I found this article this week. Um, It's some stats on, uh, on how South Africans spend their money. So I'm just going to read this to you. 
While the country's tough economic climate has become overwhelmingly difficult for some, the banks say it's noticed unhealthy consumer habits from its clients. It says people are spending more money on electronics, jewelry, hotels, and recreational activities, all on credit. What is worrying is the fact that they buy food on credit, and that is a big concern. They say that 75% of consumers' income goes to paying off debt. 75%. 75% of our income goes to paying debt. There's an issue here. People are not educated enough to know that they should only take on credit if they're in a position to pay it back. South Africans who find it difficult to stay financially afloat have been advised to seek help as soon as possible. This was written last month. This isn't something from like 20 years ago. This is last month. South Africans have a history of unhealthy spending habits, with many living beyond their means, driven by the notion of keeping up the appearances. The irony is that most of us are struggling with the rising costs of living, and it's our competitive nature of maintaining, and in some instances even inflating our current lifestyles, that often gets us into hot water. We don't know how to handle money. I don't know how to handle money. I'll be honest. That's why I believe that this series is going to be incredibly important to us. And then the last reason that I think this is key is that as we become obedient to God, as we trust Him, I believe that He will pour out a blessing on us. Now, some of you might get a little uncomfortable and go, now, is, is, is only like a prosperity preacher? Like a blessing? Like, what are you talking about? No, no, no. Let's take a step back and understand this word blessing. Because we've, we've confused it. So let, let's take a step back. When, when I say blessing, I, I mean that it's a, a life that is approved by God. And this life is approved by God because it's anchored in God. And because it's anchored in God, it brings delight to God. Notice, I didn't say anything about material things there. That the central focus is God. So to be blessed is 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 to live a life that is approved by God, that is anchored in God, and that brings delight to God. To be blessed is to find full joy in God. And so that means that if, if I have nothing but God, I am joyful. I am able to live this life, this abundant life. It's the same thing with our finances. If we're obedient with all the treasures that we have, God will bless us. God will allow us to live this life where we find full joy in Him. Now, I'm not saying that God doesn't give things. God is a good God. He's a good Father. And so often He will give us things. And we'll see it as we go through the series. He'll give us things. Material things. He'll, he'll give us those things. But you first have to be anchored in Him. You have to find life in Him, joy in Him. And so I believe if we, if we pursue to be obedient to God, to the Scriptures, and how we handle our treasures, I believe God will bless us. He will bless us. That's why I think this is important. This is why I think this series is incredibly timely. And so if I was to title this first week, I'd simply call it Financial Advice. Financial Advice that the Word of God wants to give us advice, and we desperately need it. And so before we jump in, I'm going to pray for us. I'm going to pray for this series. I'm going to pray for this morning. I'm going to pray for you. And as I pray for you, I ask that you would pray for me, that God would do something more powerful than we could ever imagine. 
right here this very morning. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Um, I know that this is an incredibly difficult topic to chat through and to work through, to navigate. Um, But I'm asking that your Holy Spirit would be with us. Um, That for many of us, including myself, even in preparing this, was find myself in an uncomfortable place, having to ask myself some uncomfortable questions. But I know that, that you ask these things of us because you know what's good for us. You love us. And so I pray that that would be evident this morning. Pray against any distractions this morning, Lord. Father, we love you. We praise you. In Jesus' beautiful, beautiful name. Amen. The first key, I'm going to jump straight right into it. The first key, the first key to understanding how, how we are to handle our treasures, how we are to handle our money, our resources, the first key that we have to get is that God owns everything. I am his money manager. God owns everything. I'm just his money manager. That's all I am. He owns everything. Psalm 24, verse 1 to 2. It says, The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof it, the world and those who dwell therein. Everything that exists in this world belongs to him. Everything. Everything. Everything that you see belongs to him. The message, which is another uh, Bible translation, I'm not a fan of preaching out of it, but I love what it says. It goes for the same passage, Psalm 24, verse 1 to 2, said, God claims earth and everything in it. God claims the world and all who live in it. I love that. He claims it. He puts his hand over everything and he says, this is mine. This is mine. I own everything. It's what people call the cosmic ownership principle. The cosmic ownership principle. That everything, everything that we see, he owns. Even the universe, he owns it. Because God is grand, God is majestic, God is sovereign. He owns everything. But why? Why does he get this ownership? Psalm 24 tells us. It's like the psalmist knew that we were going to ask that. How come he gets to own everything? Verse 2. For he has founded it upon the seas and established it upon the rivers. He created it. God owns everything because he created everything. It's that simple. And let's be honest, we kind of get that. Culturally, we understand it. If I create something, then I have ownership over it. We'll even go to court. We'll we'll go to court because we'll be like, no, 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 you don't get it. I created this, this system, this product. This academic content, I created it, and so therefore I own it. So we get it. And so God says the same thing. I created everything that you see. Therefore, I own it. God owns everything. We have to understand that he owns everything. Now, for some of us, that, that might be easy to digest. It's like, okay, cool, I get it. I get it. God owns everything, right? He owns the seas, the trees, the bush. It's kind of like the things that I, I can't really create, like I, I don't have any control over. It's easy to go, okay, cool, God owns it. God owns the stars, the moon, because I can't create that, so that's cool. 
But when we start talking about, what about the money in your account? What about your investments? Your resources? Do you believe that God owns that as well? Haggai. Some of y'all are going, there's a book in the Bible called Haggai? (laughs) Haggai chapter 2, verse 8. God says, the silver is mine and the gold is mine. The silver is mine. The gold is mine. Let, let me give a little bit of context to what's going on here. Um, God had requested his people to build another temple. So Solomon had already built a temple, and they'd requested uh, He was now going, listen, I want you guys to build another temple. And they were going, man, they, we can't. We can't build uh, another temple that is as beautiful as the one that Solomon has built. It won't be as grand because we, we don't have the silver. We don't have the gold. And the Lord says, that gold and that silver does not belong to Solomon. The gold is mine. The silver is mine. All of it is mine. And so if you understand that, then you should know that if you call me father in the same way that Solomon called me father, then, then all of it is yours. It all belongs to the same father. The gold is mine. The silver is mine. That money that's in your account, it's his. He owns it. So if that's the case, if that is true, if I don't own it, if I don't own anything, then how am I to relate to the money and the resources that I do have? How am I to relate to it if if I don't own it, if it's not mine? The answer is what we call the, the stewardship principle. It's by being a steward. It's by being a a caretaker of everything that you have. We have to understand that. We have to understand it. It's something that I'm going to keep coming back to over and over and over again, that God owns everything. He owns everything. And that we're just stewards. We're just caretakers of everything that he owns. Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 18. It says, You shall remember the Lord your God, for it is He who gives you power to get wealth. It is He who gives you power to get wealth. Sometimes we are incredibly arrogant by believing that everything that we have is because we worked for it. And maybe you did. Maybe you did. But God says, listen, everything that you have I gave you the power to make that wealth. That intellect, I gave you that. That wisdom, you're sitting there thinking, listen, I made a great decision when I, when I moved my money from, from that account to, to this account. It was at the right time. I'm, I'm so smart. God says, I gave you that intellect. I gave you that. We have to remember that everything belongs to God. Everything belongs to God. Because we as middle class South Africans, middle class South Africans and many of us on the up, we can believe the lie that I have everything because I worked hard for it. It's because I, I pulled myself up by my own bootstraps. 
forgetting that it's God who gave you everything that you have. All the wisdom, all your intellect, all the power that you possess was given to you by God. And so Deuteronomy tells us that we are to remember that. We are to remember that. Something that we should go back to over and over again. We are to pause. Every time we make a little bit more money, we are to pause and to remember that everything belongs to God and He gave me the power to make this. See, it's easy. It's easy to believe this and to, and to live an obedient life when you're a student and you're not making a lot of money. Right? I mean, it's easy. Students here are going, Amen. Or maybe not. They're going, no, it's still really, really rough. Eh? Like it's... I remember as a student, it's like, it was easy to go, yeah, this, is, this 50 rand that's in my pocket is not mine. I get it. But when you graduate, and then you get that job, and they start to pay you, and you do really, really well, and then they promote you, and then they pay you more, we quickly forget. We quickly forget. When we start to gain, we quickly forget. Then all of a sudden, it's, it's because I worked hard. I deserve this because I worked hard. Not realizing that God owns everything. He owns everything. The gold is mine. The silver is mine. But on top of that, that power, that power that you have that, that allowed you to make this wealth, I gave you that. We have to relate to all that we have as stewards or as caregivers. Because when we do that, we acknowledge that God owns it. That God owns it. When we start to gain, we quickly forget. The second point, the second key is my heart always goes where I put God's money. My heart will always go where I put God's money. So we've acknowledged that everything belongs to God. It's God's money, but my heart will go where I put it. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 6, verse 21, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And so let me double-click on this. Our spending reflects our hearts and our priorities. Our spending will reflect where our hearts are. It's Jesus, just he, all he has to do is look at your financial statements, at your bank statements. That's all he has to do to see where your heart is. That's what he'll do. He'll look at your financial statements to see where your heart is, what you love the most. It's like buying shares. If, you, if say now, telecoms sells some of their shares, and you manage to buy a few of them. All of a sudden, you're interested in whatever happens with telecom. You might be walking through, um, like, pick and pay, and then you'll see an article about telecom, and all of a sudden, now you're like, listen, I'll, maybe I should buy that magazine and see what's going on. Whereas before, you'd walk right past it. You wouldn't even care. It's because you've made an investment there. You've made an investment there, and so now your heart begins to be concerned about what's going on. Or maybe you, you give to a nonprofit. 
I know some of you do. Maybe you give to a non-profit that takes care of uh, the orphans. And so every time something comes up on the, on the TV about uh, the, the situation with orphans in South Africa, now you're concerned. Now you're concerned because, because your money goes there. Your heart will follow as well. It's like sending money to a church planter who's looking to plant in Mamelodi. Yes, this is a plug. I'm, uh, we have a church planter who's looking to plant in Mamelodi. And so it's like, it's like sending money there and going, listen, we're excited about what you're doing. We love the vision. And so when you hear over the radio that there's a, a crisis happening, that there's a, a riot happening in Mamelodi, you quickly stop what you're doing and then you just start to pray. You're concerned now about what's happening in Mamelodi, whereas before it was like, oh, okay, that, that happens in South Africa. But now because your money is going there, your heart will follow as well. And so Jesus, all he has to do to see where your heart is at is to, to look at your financial statements. And the sad reality... The sad reality is that for many of us, our, heart, our hearts are, are running after material things that will rust and fade away. They will rust and fade away. These are material things that will not last throughout eternity. And because those things will rust away, our hearts will begin to fade away as well our hearts will begin to fade as well because those things cannot sustain us. They cannot sustain us. They cannot give us everything that we need. It's crazy how many of us will go to war over these things. These things that will rust and fade away, we'll go to war over them. We'll end relationships because of them. Like that article said, we'll live beyond our means because of them not realizing that they will fade away. They, they will not stand throughout eternity. There's this story about a woman who married this man. This man was incredibly wealthy, incredibly wealthy. And so she was like, man, no, but I'm marrying him for love and things will work out, it'll be great. But throughout their marriage, he was incredibly horrible to her. He would not provide for her. He didn't want to part with his money because he believed he built it. He built this wealth on his own. And so he, he doesn't need to share it. In fact, he was so, so cruel that he put in his will that, listen, um, when I die, I don't want any of my money to go to my wife. It shouldn't go to my wife. She didn't work for it. So she should get nothing. So he does. And at the, at the funeral one of the accountants of this wealthy man comes up to the woman and says, hey, you do know that uh, you get nothing. You can't take anything with you. And she says, I know that. So she's like, well, even, even the money that you have in your account, you, you actually have to give it back. And she goes, I know. I know. I wrote him a check and I gave it to him. 
It's sitting there with him in his tombstone, or in the tomb. What he does with it is entirely up to him. But I've written that check, and so I'm relieved of it. Like, I don't have to worry. I don't, like, there it is. And she walks away. I love that story. It's a reminder. It's a reminder that we don't take anything that we have with us. We don't take it with us. Everything that we own will stay here long after you're gone. That house that you love, that car that you love. And if you're lucky, maybe it'll pass down to your your kids who will be responsible with it, if you're lucky. Nothing that we own comes with us. Nothing that we own comes with us. Now, am I saying it's wrong to have nice stuff? No. Am I saying, is, is it wrong to have money? No. What I am saying is that it's wrong to put your heart in those things. It's wrong to pour everything that you have into those things, believing that they will give you life. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 6, verse 19, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. Jesus says, listen, you should store your treasures up in heaven. Not here. He's not saying it's, it's, it's bad to have nice things. No, 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 it's good to have nice things. It's okay. But not to put your trust in them because they will rust and they will be destroyed. But rather, store your treasures in heaven. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. He says again in Matthew chapter 19, And everyone who has left houses and brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or lands for my sake will receive a hundredfold and will inherit eternal life. We see this time and time again in the scriptures where we're told to trust, trust Jesus, trust God. Store your treasures in heaven because you will receive one hundredfold. When this life passes, you'll receive one hundredfold. Now, a lot of people will ask, well, what's that one hundredfold? I have no idea. I'll be honest, I have no idea. But what I do know is that it's better than what I have now. It is far better than what I have now because the scripture said that there's coming a day where there will be no more death, no more weeping. There's coming a day where it'll be so much better. There'll be no more pain, no more debt. One hundredfold. Any financial advisor would say that's the investment that you make. That's the investment that you make. God owns, we manage. God owns and we manage. God owns, we manage. We have to renew our minds on this. See, Jesus died not only for you to have eternal life in the future, but to have abundant life now. He didn't just die so that you would enjoy this life somewhere in the future. No, no, he wants you to have abundant life now. And and to do that with our resources, with our, our treasures, we have to understand that God owns everything and we just manage. If you want to have abundant life now, 
You have to put your trust in Him and acknowledge that God owns everything and we are just His managers. You begin to live a life free of many burdens that are anchored in our love for money because we have the wrong view of it. It is not ours. It's God's and we are just stewards of it. John Wesley, a a famous Englishman, I believe he was English, um, very, very wealthy, great evangelist, great evangelist, and so very wealthy because he wrote many books. So he made a lot of money on his books. A story is told of him that one day he was riding out in the woods and this man runs up to him, all distraught, runs up to him, Mr. Wesley, Mr. Wesley, your, your house has burnt to the ground. Come quickly, your house has burnt to the ground. On his horse, it says, John, calmly weighed on the matter. I love that. He calmly weighed on, so he, he thought about it, paused for a moment, looked at the man and said, no, God's house burnt to the ground. That's one less responsibility for me. And apparently carried on riding into the woods. I mean, that's crazy, right? That's like, you'd almost think, wait, wait, what? But that's a man who got it. I know it's slightly foolish, but that's a man who got it. He's like, it's not my house. I am just a manager. So that's one less responsibility for me. God owns everything. How do we respond when some of our things get damaged or destroyed? Think about it. It's like our whole lives have fallen apart. I want to be as mature as John Wesley to go, nope, God's laptop (laughs) broke. That's one less responsibility. I'll say it, but I'll be crying when I say it. (laughs) But my hope is that as a church, we would be that mature to acknowledge that, listen, God owns it. It's, It's His house. It's His money. It's His investment. It's His car. I'm just His manager. And so if that is true, then we must ask and answer, then how are we to manage? We won't cover that this morning, but that's what we're going to look at as we navigate through the series, is that if, if God is the manager, if God is the owner, and I'm just his manager, then how am I to manage? What is my responsibility in this? But as I close, I'll leave you with this, because I know for many of us, we're sitting here going, you know what, I've I've missed the mark then. I've treated the things that are around me as if I own them. I've missed the mark. Some might be sitting here going, you know what, I'm actually living beyond my means right now. I am in debt. It is crazy. It's because I've missed it. I've, I've failed to believe this, that God owns it, that I don't, that God owns it. And I am just His manager. I've missed the mark, but I want to tell you this morning that there's grace. For all of us who've missed the mark, there's grace. 
There's grace to help us navigate through it. To get out of whatever mess that you're in, that there's grace. And God wants to lavishly pour it out on us. And that's why I believe He's taking us through this series. He wants us to pause for a moment and, and to stop believing the lie. Stop believing the lie. Stop trying to keep up with the Fandermevas and the Sibanyonis. We don't need to keep up with the Jones, but rather keep up with God. And so if that's, if that's true, then, then we're to come to Him and to say, well, then how, how then am I supposed to handle my time and my talents and my treasures? The very things that you own, they're yours, God. They're yours. I'll give you two quick applications, but before I do that, I want to share a a story. About three weeks ago, my my daughter, she loves to play on the stairs. Um, So she was going up and down, up and down. And I was in the room working on my my laptop. And, um, And I heard a noise. And then again, and then again, and then it hit me that she was falling down the stairs. And then there was this long silence. I mean, maybe it was short, but it felt like forever. And then I heard my wife scream. And I rushed out in unbelievable panic. And as I was going down the stairs, it hit me. It hit me. As I was going down the stairs, and I kept, I kept saying this, she's not mine, she's not mine, she's not mine. That even my own, my own daughter is, is, is not mine. Now, I know you might go, but no, no, you're responsible. You, that is, that is, we can see that that is yours. <laughs> you are responsible for her, yes, but, but she's not mine. That she belongs to God. She belongs to God. And I, as a parent, I am to steward her life. I am to care for her life. It's not just the material things. Everything belongs to God. And we are just His managers. It'll change the game on how you see things. It really will. But I promised two applications and I'll give you two and I'll let you guys go. The first thing is, guys, I just want you to be honest with yourselves. Go home and just be honest with yourself. Where are you? Where are you in light of all of this? And a great way to do it is to to maybe just pull one month, and if you're brave, maybe three months, bank statement. And just kind of look at some of the things that you're spending, what you're spending on. Take out a piece of paper and, and, and write it like, man, on coffee, this is what I spend. I did that. It shocked me. The amount of money that I spend on coffee is ridiculous. And, and coffee is one of those things that's now elevated to a need. I need coffee. And I see it on my finances. I'm like, my goodness, is that what I'm... It's, it's almost the same as what I pay for medical aid. H- how is that even possible? <laughs> so I'm, I'm just going to call... I'm going to call us to be honest... Be honest with yourself. Go home, sit down, and be honest. 
And when you do that, you'll, you'll quickly realize what you love, where your heart is. You'll quickly realize that. John Wesley says, when money comes into my hands, I give it away. Because if I hold on to it, it will get too close to my heart. This was a man who was honest with himself. He was so honest, he knew his own heart. He knew the battlefield. He knew the battlefield. I say this to guys all the time, that, that just be honest with yourself. You know what you struggle with. You know what you struggle with. Be honest with yourself. If you're not willing to get to that place, then it's going to be so easy for you to trip and fall. And so I'm, go home, be honest, get to know the battlefield. Figure out what your heart is running after. And the second thing is, is be brave enough to walk in community and ask for help. I'm going to come to this every week when we're doing this, this series. I'm going to say, guys, God has beautifully designed us for community. So be brave enough to walk in that community and ask for help. Now, I'm, I'm not saying everybody needs to know your business. There are people in here that don't need to know your business. But be brave enough to go, hey, I'm going to pick one person. I'm going to say, hey, listen, I need, I need some help. I need some accountability. I'm living beyond my means. I'm spending way too much on this. My, my heart is longing after this car and this house and my academics. It's, it's not longing after God. I need some accountability. I need some help. Because for many of us, we'll come in here, smiles on our faces, things look good. When in reality, we are hurting. We are hurting. And that's not how God has designed us. He's made us for community. We're to care for one another. But you have to be brave enough to walk with one another. Brave enough to say, hey guys, I need help. I need help. And we will point you to the author and perfecter of our faith. Be honest and be brave. God owns everything. And we are just his managers. Let's pray. And so, Father, as we, as we start this series and as, as we come to you, Father, I'm hoping and, and, and praying that you would do an amazing work in and through us. Um, that we've heard way too many times about churches getting in trouble because of finances. We've heard way too many times, uh, heard too many times about people getting in trouble because of finances. And yet you have laid it out for us here in your word how we are to navigate our resources, our treasures, our money. You've laid it all out for us. And it all starts with this beautiful truth that, God, you own everything, that everything is yours, that none of it is ours. And that we are just to be good stewards of it, that we are to be faithful with what you give us. And so, Lord, as we, as we go home and as we think on these things, um, I, I'm just praying and hoping that we would be honest with ourselves, that we truly would be honest with ourselves. Are we trying to keep up appearances? Have we made these material things that you've given to us? Have we made idols? Have they taken your place? Are they sitting on the throne where you should be sitting? Would you press us, Lord? Would you... Put us in community, a community that loves us, 
so much that they're willing to walk a road with us, willing to ask uncomfortable questions. All of this so that we might enjoy you, that we might find our life in you, our joy in you, our peace in you. So Father, we love you. We praise you. In Jesus' name, amen.